0: Do we live most of our life in survival mode? Welcome to Episode 5 of It's Miles Again. I'm Miles, and here's a drink for all the tough times to coming into your own, but most especially the excitement of tomorrow. Here's a drink to life. In previous episodes, Guests shared how they willingly won the battle for their life against mental and physical killers. It might be a stretch, but it's hard to deny how, even on a microscopic level, their stories of resilience and, quite frankly, stubbornness invite you to question how, whatever we're going through, it feels like, more than ever, we're on survival mode. Never mind living. How do we even survive in a world that's absurd? During the Enlightenment, philosophers contemplated on modern society, and thinkers like Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, or Jean-Jacques Rousseau thought about the relationship between humans and the world, our society. They claimed that primitive societies lived in a state of nature, a living condition without morality, law, or any government, except for the authority that governs human behavior, which is the one where one's survival Is indebted to a stronger person's. In its most pure form, it's pretty much the relationship between a mother and her child. In this situation, they claimed that because each person pretty much fends for themselves, people act based on selfish necessities. And the debate whether men are inherently good or evil was already on the table. They all agreed that men, with a capital M, are born equal. But Hobbes believed that humans were predisposed to selfish, self-preservation behavior, while Locke believed that humans were more reasonable and tolerant. They all believed that at any given point, one person will always break the law of nature by pursuing his interest at the expense of the next person's. Now, Rousseau said that with this constant threat to our survival, we live in this paradox of competition with others while being dependent on them at the same time. Every person was a threat to each other's individual survival and freedom. Now, Hobbes stated that because we had selfish tendencies without any clear form of superiority, we were naturally in a state of conflict. And this is what he called a war for all against all. In other words, an eye for a fucking eye. And it's kind of like the law of the jungle, but add the intricacies of human psyche, human behavior, and obviously... Our intelligence. It's pretty much high school with teenage hormones, but on a much greater scale. According to these philosophers who, by the way, were fundamental to Europe's political philosophy and America's independence, as self-proclaimed superior intellectual beings, humans were therefore forced to create a society wherein arrangements would be made so that we would be able to live free and as equals. The first ever encyclopedia written by Diderot opens with the line, man is born free and everywhere he is in chains. Those who think themselves the masters of others are indeed greater slaves than they. Some meta shit no one seems to understand well enough to act on today actually. But anyway, society was therefore bound by what they called the social contract. A theory that presupposes that humans come together to create a civil society and abandoned their individual claims for the possibility of coexisting within a system that is meant to ensure our individual freedom. In simpler terms, we collectively gave up our selfish agendas at the favor of the general will of the people. Because we are the people, as one unit, we will, as one unit, defend these rights, freedoms, or obligations that we put in place. In theory, it seems pretty good, but... It's theory, right? Now fast forward to a few centuries later, we're still not flying cars, and in fact, we're barely flying at all because, well, 2020 happened. Durkheim theorized this concept called anomie. Anomie, however it's pronounced in English, is a societal condition defined by the breakdown of moral values, standards, or guidance for people to follow. It happens when society goes through significant changes that highlight discrepancies between ideological theories and values agreed on by the people and the actual plight of everyday life. So obviously 2020 isn't the first time it happened. This happened and continues to happen a lot more often than we think. The fancy term just doesn't work in our usual vocabulary. Anomie leads to people feeling alienated and disconnected from their society which brings them this sort of feeling of not belonging. And this happens a lot in school, for example, on a petty level. But it also happens on a more global scale, which led to a couple of world wars on yeah, a less petty level. In other words, periods of anomie are shitty, unstable periods that are full of conflict and chaos. And because social norms and values are either missing or not enough, people have this sort of destruction of their sense of stability that kept the status quo before. And you just add a little global health pandemic, a few widespread protests and riots, and yep, 2020, right? So if what made sense or what seemed correct before is no longer valid, what is the meaning of everything? And what is the purpose of authority? What is my purpose as just a little speck in this entire ecosystem? Well, we can look to the existential nihilists who viewed the world as void of any rules, morals, or codes, except for the ones they make for themselves that justify their actions. Sounds kind of like an emo version of the state of nature, right? Nietzsche created the persona of the Übermensch, a literal superman who is in fact the person who has overcome the fear of losing whatever meaning of life and decided the course of his own life without relying on any other influence. I'd argue that in this context, my friends were actually pretty uber, if you were to ask me. But by this definition, does that mean that the ubermensch are anarchists? The root word of anarchy is Greek, which I'm not going to say because I don't want to butcher that word but it literally means, without a chief. And similar to nihilists, they reject anyone else's limits. Therefore, on a political plane, this means that any institution or morality that doesn't align with anyone's free will is to be criticized and rejected. They pretty much said fuck you to the social contract theory. Or, perhaps, their ideology was born as a response to the actual practice of the social contract compared to its actual theory. I guess it's kind of like a chicken or egg type of question if we look at it, right? I mean, anarchy in itself has a lot of contradictions, the first one being the fact that they reject authority by asserting their own. Now, of course, not everything is binary. Simple as black and white, all that shit. But because everything is relative, especially today, with everyone being just too damn woke and too damn sensitive, we need to consider moral relativism. Now this pretty much brings everything I said back to baseline, by claiming that moral judgments are only true or false, relative to a particular vantage point. The usual and frustrating, eh, well, it depends. No shit it depends, obviously it depends, because everything depends. Speaking of which, the next part will be continued in the following episode, so please stay tuned next week for the final part of our mini-series about surviving. Please don't forget to follow, subscribe, or download, and share your thoughts and feedback with me on Instagram at milesasksagain. But more importantly, never forget to be brave and be kind.